We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. I will just go straight into the word today. We've been dealing with understanding this gospel, 12 parts down. I don't know how many more to go. Today is part 13. If you just said it was 12, it means you haven't listened to the recording of part 12 yet. Uh, But we've gotten responses from across, literally across the world of people that are listening to to, to them and, and are being changed and transformed by what God is doing with that. And that's just amazing and encouraging. So I'll just continue from there. We've been dealing with the, the message of the, of the gospel, the scope of that message. And the scope of the message, we said that he was slain from the foundation of the world. He was born of a woman in due time. He lived under and fulfilled the law. And then he died, crucified was buried, paid the penalty for all our sins and in full and reconciled us to the Father. And then five, we are exploring the purpose of that redemptive plan. So we started off, the scope of the message was the plan of God for man, the fall of man, the penalty for the fall, the redemptive plan of God in Christ, which, which we broke into six different parts. And we're on the sixth one now, the purpose of that redemptive plan. Um, The aim of salvation or the aim of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel. And then under that, we're exploring the culture of the kingdom, the kingdom culture. Um, So we've been talking about the culture of the kingdom. What have we been saved into? What does our salvation require of us? Um, If you're just, again, if you're just joining us or you've been absent, do yourself a favor and avail yourself of the recordings if you, if you follow us on Facebook or follow me on Facebook, I just um, put up a post with the links to all 14 teachings so far. Just, and it just makes it easy. Just click download, save, click download, save, and you have all of that. Um, the thrust of this, this particular aspect of where we are now is the end result of the gospel is the coming of the kingdom. So the gospel births the kingdom of God in us. The gospel, the kingdom is God's way concerning life, right? Remember that? It's not earthly, it's priority to God. And then we went on and established kingdom culture. One, we actively pursue the kingdom. Remember? Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. So we said kingdom culture. One, we actively pursue the kingdom. And then kingdom culture. Two, we actively pursue the kingdom as priority, we explained that seek is the Greek word zetio. Did anybody go and check it out? Because I told you last week, don't take my word for it. Yeah, anybody checked it out? Nobody did. You just believe your pastor. You checked it out. Thank you. Were we right or were we correct? We were right. <laughs> zetio in the Greek, which means to seek out, to meditate, to investigate, to explore um, the whatever the subject is that you're seeking. So not seeking as though... You're looking for something that you don't already have. 
but as to maximize or coming to the full awareness of what is already yours. That's the word zetio for, for seek in the Greek. Of course, the New Testament is written in Greek. Seek ye first the kingdom, which is the word for kingdom. Basilea, which means the system and the dominion of God in the earth. The kingdom of God and its righteousness. Daikaos, remember? Righteous for conformity to God's word, for what is uh, uh, approved of him, for God's way of doing things. And its righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So seek ye first, the word first is the word protos. I told you, anybody checked it out? Yeah, from which you get the word prototype, right? And that means not just first, as though, like you heard William say, so Christ being firstborn doesn't mean we are secondborn and thirdborn and 24thborn, you know, or even grandchildren. I've told you God doesn't have any grandchildren. He just has children. I bring you to the faith. I grow you in the Lord. I father you in Christ. You and I are still God's children. All right? So in the same vein, the word protos doesn't mean first as though I can seek first and then I can seek other things second and third and fourth and 19th and 25th. But protos means to seek foremost, right? Primarily. In fact, as the only pursuit that there is to pursue. And then to tie that up or drive that home, I told you that uh, in the kingdom, your full-time job is your part-time job. Yeah? And your pursuit of the kingdom is your full-time job. We get saved and then we come into the kingdom and then we let pastors do all the studying. That's if they're even studying right. And you know, it doesn't matter how deeply a pastor or teacher of the word studies, he cannot translate or transmit all of what he has come into in teaching. It's just not possible. There's not enough time. There's not enough vocabulary. There's not enough resources. There's not enough patience in the disciples. So, in other words, when you write a teaching note or whatever, a study, um, what you write there sounds absolute. But then when you start to teach, that paragraph now appears to be nothing more than a bullet point that triggers a lot of stuff in your spirit. And that's why I've taught those of you who are close to me, when, when you're asked to teach or bring an exhortation, don't overthink it. You know, capture your thoughts as the Spirit of God impresses in your heart and allow him unpack it. Unpacking is his business. He always does it. And he's terribly good at it. So I couldn't possibly teach you everything I study. It's not possible. Except you were with me at every waking time of every day and we spent all that time teaching. Make sense? Make sense? So you must, you cannot count on my study or my teaching for your growth. It's helpful. It's, you know, catalytic in nature. It helps spur you on to study. But you must press in for yourself because the kingdom of God is priority. It's priority. You must spend more time in study. It's not cliche to say that if you spend more time playing Candy Crush than you spend studying the word, you're not a serious believer. It's not cliche, it's fact. To spend all the time doing this, which amounts to nothing, and invest very little in your work with God, which amounts to everything. Does that make sense? Because you know, if you spend a bit more time with the Holy Spirit, the candy crush you are playing, every time you play it, somebody gets rich. He gives you one idea, and everybody starts to do your thing, and you get rich. I repeat, you play, every time you play Candy Crush, somebody gets rich. Every time you click an advert or an impression on Facebook, somebody gets rich. Make sense? So you're there making somebody else rich, playing Candy Crush or whatever other game you're, you're very good with, 
spending time on PS3, PS4, whatever, and you could spend time with the Spirit of God and He impresses something in your heart that causes you to become a solution provider to someone else. And that's the thing. Until we break away from that mentality in Africa of being needy, wanting somebody else to supply, somebody else to, we will not grow. And so the kingdom is sought actively and it is sought formosly. Do we understand that? Yeah? If you, I said last week as well, if you remember, I said if you're so caught up in what you're doing and your excuse for not doing the work of ministry is that I'm busy, then you're, you're busier than God intended. Do you remember that? You're busier than God intended. If you're so caught up in work, in business, and you know, I'm so tired, I came late every time you're late because of work, then you're on the wrong job. Even if you have all the passion in the world for it, you're on the wrong job. That is not the culture of the kingdom. Every opportunity you get to work on the earth, to do a vocation on the earth, is to enable you to become an extension of the kingdom using that as a tool. So your job is not your purpose. I will talk about that another day. Your job is not your purpose in life. Your purpose is not to be a lawyer. Your purpose is not to be a musician. Your purpose is not to be a carpenter. That's not your purpose. That's a vehicle for the achievement of your purpose. God has a purpose for us. All our purpose is one. Christ-likeness, birth of the kingdom. It's one purpose expressed in different vehicles. So everywhere God places you in the earth is an opportunity for you to birth kingdom in that sphere of influence. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Every, I'm not saying go and start preaching to everybody. You are, you are a, a shopkeeper and everybody that comes and say, do you know Jesus loves you? That's not what we mean because that's fanatism. And most times it's counterproductive. But it's just you being light. A city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. It's you just being light where you are and extending the grace of our Lord Jesus in that place. So we seek, we actively pursue the kingdom. We, we actively pursue it as priority. I, I came across something that is a very renowned psychologist and behavioral scientist called Abraham Maslow. If you have heard of him, if you didn't need psychology, you've heard of Abraham Maslow. And he, 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 he did an extensive research and, and he came down to seven things. I expounded them a little bit, but he came down to about seven things that, that are authoritatively re, re, regarded as the basic needs of man. Yeah? yeah. yeah? Basic priorities yeah. for man. About seven of them. Number one, water. Water is more important than food. Those of you that eat without drinking. <laughs> Number two, food. Obviously. Number three, clothing. And then four, shelter. Five, security or guarantee. Six, sorry, five was protection. And six, security or guarantee. Seven, preservation or survival. Eight, self actualization or fulfillment. Nine, significance. Water, food, clothing, shelter, protection, security, preservation, self-actualization, and significance. Somewhere in between, add companionship to it. 
is also a vital driving force in human endeavor, isn't it? Yeah? Companionship. This is what it boils down to. In whatever order, water and food will always come first. Yeah? Water and food and clothing and shelter. And protection, then security, then preservation or survival, you know, self-actualization, you know, ambition, fulfilling of ambition and significance, being taken seriously in this life. These are the driving force of humanity and conversely or consequently rather, it is the bedrock of every religion. So because these have been identified as the basic needs of man, every form of religion, one way or the other, is built around trying to prefer a solution to these needs. Do you understand that? And that's where Christianity has also gotten it wrong. Because, listen, but we don't gather for solution. We are solution. Did you hear what I just said? The church is solution. Miracles were not worked in the church. Go and read your Bible. If you take Dorcas out of the, of, this, of, the, of the equation and the peculiarity of her, of her issue, there were no miracles worked in the church. These guys were working, deacons, okay, ushers. Those were deacons in your Bible. The Bible doesn't say your pastor should meet all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Hello? But you know how you see pastor as the one that should pay your school fees? Should pay your house rent. Should feed you when you're hungry. Should give you transport money when you're going home. Should give you a shirt when your shirt is old. That is not the job of your pastor. Let me tell you now. Why read your Bible? Ouch. It's not not the job of your pastor. You don't see it anywhere. The reverse is actually the case. So that's not church. We called you. How are you doing? Church is us ministering. Solution. Not coming to church for solution. Church is being solution. Do we understand? But because of the needy mentality, somehow if I do this, I will get that. Because by that time, it begins to redefine what church actually is. So not everybody that calls the name of the Lord, Jesus said, in my name, they will cast out demons. So there's false prophets who are telling demons to go in the name of Jesus and demons are going. Are you not a solution provider. We are solution. We operate from the blessing. Even when I am broke, I'm not poor. I'm not poor. So we're not going to church to find solution. We come for this primarily. Fellowship in the word. Build each other or prepare each other for the work of ministry. The real ministry is what you all go out to do with what I'm doing now. Yes. So we see we've gotten it wrong. If you read Ephesians 4, it doesn't say that these are ministry gifts. It says these are gifts to some, to some, to some, to prepare the saints for ministry. Do you understand? Yeah. So what I'm doing now is more preparing you for ministry than it actually is ministry. It's hard truths. Average pastor will not tell you. Preparing you for ministry to go and transact with this word that you come into the knowledge of. When you are doing that, that's ministry being fulfilled. 
Make sense? When we speak from the abundance of what we come into, that's ministry being fulfilled. And that comes with giving priority to the kingdom. So Maslow is right, is he not? Yeah? Pretty much, isn't it? Food, clothing, food, sorry, water, food, clothing, shelter, uh, uh, protection, perseverance, survival, self-actualization, companionship, and significance, right? And religion starts on the basis of this. Now, it's interesting what Jesus calls what we are doing now as church. Jesus called it paganism. I warned you three weeks ago when we entered this culture of the kingdom that it might not be a message that makes you shout. Let's go to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. While you're turning to that, religion is centered around meeting human needs, right? Appease some God and get some good things. That's religion. Depending on who your God is, right? Centered around meeting human needs. Appease some God, get some good things. You hear that rain hasn't fallen because the God of whatever has not been appeased. So you're going to appease that God so there can be a bountiful harvest. Appease that God so you can prosper. And we have brought all that African traditionalism into Christianity and made it Christian. And then to explain away our foolishness, we now go to the Old Testament and find one or two scriptures that randomly appeared to validate that wrong doctrine. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when you find somebody telling you, I've said this to you before, when you find somebody telling you, this scripture agrees with my viewpoint, run away from that person. Paul says, from such people abstain. Because it's not scripture agreeing with your viewpoint. It's your viewpoint lining up with scripture. Not even agreeing with. Lining up with. Because your viewpoint will not always agree with scripture. There's some things you see in scripture, you don't like it. And you will not like it. But you will line up to it. Because it's scripture. Like what I said about the blood. Some of you have not recovered from it. Some of you have, you are praying less, you don't know what to pray. Be, be honest. You don't know what to pray. Because we take out sin. We don't take out blood. What's left? You can't plead it. You can't sprinkle it. You can't soak in it. You can't immerse in it. You can't cover with it. You can't travel with it. What? And all your sentences have blood of Jesus. Father, every opposition, the blood of Jesus. Who knows what I'm talking about? But every, as I go out, every person that has determined that will not, the blood. Hey. We have tried to use the blood of Jesus to kill people. The blood that saved the world. To kill some. How? The Holy Ghost that is a guarantee of your eternal salvation, you now use his fire to kill some. <laughs> and, and that's what we have turned it to appease some God sow some seed mm, yes. yeah 
and then get some returns. And Jesus calls that paganism. Now, based on that, you, you should be shocked to, to find out the statistic of Christians, especially in developing countries that are pagans. Matthew 6. I will go from verse 25. When I read in the New King James, I'll have somebody read in the NLT or I will just load it up right now so that the recording can capture that as well. Just bear with me a second as I call it up on here. So in the New King James, Matthew 6, verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Is anybody listening? Yeah. Know about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap. They don't sow seed. They don't gather into barns. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In other words, if they can prosper without sowing and reaping, and then how about you who are made in his image after his likeness? Are you not of more value? So what is it for God to look after you if he can look after birds of the air who are not in his image? They don't sow. They don't reap, but they prosper. They don't save. They don't gather into barns. But they have their fear. Are you not of more value than this? 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. 30. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith, that has eternal life? Do you understand? They are here today, they are gone tomorrow. He looks after them. You are here today, you are here tomorrow, you are here forever. All the more reason for him to look after you. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? So Maslow was right. The scripture agrees with him. Are we following? Are we following? See verse 32. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. NLT says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Somebody is starting to begin to get where I'm going with this. The Living Bible says, Why be like the heathen? For they take pride in all these things and are deeply concerned about them. Are you still here? Let's hear how the message puts it. 
Matthew 6, 32. says, um, People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. I'll go on in the message. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Are you still here? For after these things, the heathen seek. Amplified, verse 32. For the pagan Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. So we can safely conclude by now, based on the authority of all these scriptures, that chasing after material things is the hallmark of paganism. I mean, what does NIV say? For the pagans run after all these things. Now, based on this scripture, are you not alarmed at the amount of paganism in church today? You see why the truth is not popular? For after these things, the Gentiles seek. Let me rephrase. For after these things, the Gentiles investigate, pursue, explore, dwell upon by sense of reasoning, actively chase after, devote time to meditate on design programs for After these things, the pagans, Zetio. Same word. Everybody is seeking something. Everybody. Since the fall. Your knowledge of what Christ has done for you determines what you're seeking. So, coming to church for baby... Veganism. Coming to church for husband. Veganism. Coming to church for music. Veganism. Coming to church for prayer. Veganism. Coming to church for deliverance. Veganism. Coming to church because the pastor can preach. Veganism. Coming to church so you can get a breakthrough, paganism. Coming to church because the witches said that they, we will see what happened to you in three days, paganism. So paganism is sat on the high table of today's church. Calling the shots on the order of events. So every event is geared towards meeting a human need. Are you with me still? Yes. Breakthrough service. Human need. Anointing service. Human need. After these things, the Gentiles seek. And it had enumerated all the things. Food, clothing, shelter. Everything Maslow stated. 
is the hallmark of paganism. So my dear believer, how come you are in Christ and a pagan at the same time? That is why it is crucial that God was never equated with Satan. Ever. The only time a parallel was drawn with God was God and money. God, mammon. It was never God and Satan. So even Satan doesn't stand a chance. Money stands a better chance against God than Satan. Did you hear what I just said? Money stands a better, loosely put, is a more befitting contender than Satan. Because God says two masters exist. God and not Satan. Satan was never regarded as a master. So there are two gods, and Satan is not one of them. And you spend half of your night praying to Satan. Satan, I bind you. Satan, listen to me. Satan, I rebuke you. Satan, I cast into the bottomless pit. You came out again. I cast you again. I recast you. I double recast you. You came out. I recast you and bind you. They lose you. Who lose you in the village? I bind you again. I bind you. Satan, listen to me. You have no place in my life. Satan, listen to me. You have no place in my family. Satan, listen. Are you, are you not mad? <laughs> Who has bewitched you? You are praying to this. Satan. Satan, listen to me. Satan, rakatapa. No, Satan. Rabababae. Rabababamasatabae. Satan. <laughs> How? When he's not even a god, yeah. even a false one, yeah. he's not even a master. He's not. The only time something could contend for what you have was money or the drive for money. Mammon. And that's what we must make this money. Because when money no day. <laughs> people they carry me play. When money no day. When money no day. <laughs> Who is clapping in the toilet? <laughs> That's why 50 Cent's slogan was get rich or die trying. You must make this money. Make this money. Make this money. You just declared your allegiance. And that's why it's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. I mean, you have, you have, you have taken $16 billion. You still want to steal more. To do what? 
you know what billion is? 1,000 million. One million, one million, one million, one million, one million in 1,000 places. That's one billion. Dollars. When one, one million dollars is 350 million naira. One billion dollars is 350 billion naira. You now have three point something trillion naira close to the budget of Nigeria. And you still want to steal more. It is insatiable. It's insatiable. Because that's what drives. So imagine that you chased God first. His kingdom, Christ. His righteousness, Christ. Protosly. The way you chased money. The God you are ignoring to chase money says, I know you need money. The money you left God to chase is not going to tell you, I know you need God. Do the math. But the God you left to chase money tells you, I know you clothing, I know you need it. And he says, your heavenly father knows before you ask. So which is more profitable? If we're just talking on, a, on an express manner of profit, which is more profitable, God or mammon? They don't sow or reap, he feeds them. If you have a need, if you don't sow, God will not meet it. You're better off in a shrine. You're better off in a shrine. Because he knows. He sees. Lahai Roy. He told Higa, You are the one who sees me. I have seen the one who sees me. Lahai Roy. He sees. He knows. He's a high priest who is touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Having been tempted in every way. So Jesus went through hunger. Not because he needed to go through hunger. But because he in the flesh needed to be acquainted with what hunger feels like when I'm hungry. Did you hear what I'm saying? Because Jesus could have been a hybrid man. He could have walked on the earth and not eaten. He could have walked on the earth and not slept. And not be angry. But he went through anger. And in his anger did not sin. He called them foxes. And yet he was sinless. He called them foolish scribes and Pharisees. And yet he was sinless. He was hungry. And he ate. He loved to eat. Every ministry trip of Jesus had food in the equation. All of it. Go and check. Stay with me. Go and check. Why? He was fully acquainted with our humanity. So he could tell them categorically that your father knows you have need of this. Your father knows. Your father knows you have need. And you leave him and chase. What will not tell you? Well, you know what? You know, go and follow God a little. Even your Christian boss will frustrate your Christian work. Yes. Yes. 
That's where, that's where we are now. That's where we are. If your boss is compromising the kingdom for their job, they will expect you to compromise it for your job. And then you get, you get caught in a quagmire. I love God, but I, I'm, I, I love my job. I'm, I, my boss, if I want to reason why I love my job is because my boss loves God. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. And, but now my, my, I'm not sure. And then they reduce the volume of your pursuit for money that is never enough. It's amazing. Listen to me. And I say this with every sense of pain and regret. Christians make the worst bosses. Yes. Christians. Christians make the worst employers of labor. Slave drivers. Christians. The only benefit of it is office devotion in the morning. And then calling pastor to come and anoint it at the beginning of the year or beginning of the school term if it's a school. Or stuff like that. That's all. Make the worst bosses. But if you work for a Muslim, a Muslim can shut down his entire office when it's time to pray. Yeah. You do it five times a day and from 12 o'clock on a Friday. Yes. It doesn't matter how much turnover you are bringing at that point in time. Masalachi is protos. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. Bowing down facing the east towards the Kaaba, where the gemstone is. For, that, for them, that's Protos. For us, even the Sunday that you people say is the holy day of the Lord. You people. Holy day of the Lord. The day he rose from the dead. If it was the day he rose from the dead, why are you going to walk? You are, at, you are at church and you're still calculating the business you think you're losing for closing work early. Because you think God is too powerless to send you business overnight that can set you up for the whole month. It's not in how hard you work, it's in how well. Yeah. It's not in how hard. It's in how well you work. It's in how well. You can go through a whole month and have a, a target turnover you haven't met. And in one deal, God balances your sheets. One deal, you just get one order. And that order sets you up for the whole quarter. And then you go back into your place of rest. Isn't it how hard? If only we could trust. And follow him, Protoss. Somebody say Protoss. How are we doing? So we follow as priority. The kingdom is not a religion because it's not centered around meeting needs. Your father knows you have needs. Don't forget what I said. The pursuit of material things is a hallmark of paganism. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Write it down. The, the pursuit of material things is the hallmark of paganism. It's a hallmark of paganism. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It doesn't matter how holy the person who's teaching it is or appears to be. If it's centered on material things, it is paganism. For after these things, the Gentiles seek. The pagans seek. After these things. 
In other words, kingdom culture people don't chase material things. They chase us. Hello? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things. These things were the things mentioned in the preceding verses. Food. All Maslow's things. Hello? Water, food, clothing, shelter, self-actualization, companionship. All of that follow us as we follow him. So if you are chasing what should be chasing you, 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 you are fundamentally out of order. Are you saying we should not work? Oh, no. But trust me, your work will never be enough to sustain you. Ever. You're earning 20 grand a month now. You're in a one room, in a compound or in a yard where you pay 40,000 a year. And then you get a better job and they step, step you up to 50 grand. All of a sudden, you come under your own self-inflicted pressure to move into a one-room self-contained. Yeah. Nobody sent you. Nobody sent you. Nobody put a gun to your head. You just felt like you have a little bit more money now. So it should reflect in a bit more comfort. But you survived in the one room. You survived. You now step into a one room self-contained and your bill goes up to 120,000. You now realize you have to save more. You're making more, but you have to save more to make up. And then your light bill goes up. Water bill goes up. Hospitality bill goes up because more people now can visit you. Yeah. You find that you are, you, are, you are more disposed to inviting people now to your one room. You have more self-confidence than you did when you were in your yard. But now you have a toilet. You can pour water in it and flush. You invite more people. So you spend more feeding them and giving them drinks. Yes. And then you get a better job. And they start paying you 80000 You say, ah, now I can go to room and Follow. <laughs> you change hairdresser. But your hair was not falling apart when you were in the one room. Somehow at 20,000 a month, your, your, your hair still got done. But now you can't go into what market anymore to go to that hairdresser. You need to come on, on Marian somewhere. You switch. You upgrade. And then you start to get 150,000 a month. The next thing that comes to your mind is to get a, a, a loan from the bank to buy a car. Depleting return. And buy a car. And all its resultant trouble. So you're constantly in a rat race to measure up to yourself. Nobody sent you. No, we won't teach this to you in church. Because just give you prosper. Next level is a seed. Bigger job is a seed. Yeah, bigger house is a seed. Newer car is a seed. We will not teach you this. But this is the kingdom. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. That's how Paul can say, what, I've learned to abound and I've learned to abase. Colossians Philippians 4. When Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, look up. He was not saying, I can bulldoze. I can get a job through Christ who strengthens me. He wasn't saying, I can minister through Christ who strengthens me. He wasn't saying, I can pass my exam through Christ who strengthens me. Scripture cannot mean today what it did not mean when it was written. 
Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, has nothing to do with human ability. Hello. It has to do with contentment. The preceding verses make it clear. Do you want to see it? Philippians 4. Another digression. Somebody say, I am kingdom cultured. Philippians chapter 4. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned, listen carefully, in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things. I can be full and hungry. I can abound. I can abase. I can be in a place where I have a lot. I can be in a place where I don't have anything. Let me read it to you in the message. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or empty. 13. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Is that clear for somebody? I read it in the NLT. <laughs> Come on. Okay, it's loaded up. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ. He gives me strength. Strength to be hungry. Strength to be full. Either or. The context of that was not supernatural ability for favor. The context of that was contentment. Are we still here? Can you say, I exist for more than having my needs met? You see, the reason why we ask you to repeat stuff is because some things, by faith, faith comes by hearing. Sometimes your spirit ought to hear your mouth. Say it. You know, you can have these things in your head and you, you, it's there. But there's something about saying something that activates it. That's why believing alone is not enough. You confess with your mouth. So when we say that, I, I wake up in the morning and I talk to myself. Anybody? It's not just enough to know it all. You open your mouth and you release it. You speak. Hebrews 3 says, but we know by faith that the worlds were framed by the words spoken of God. Spoken word of God. So, I exist for more than just having my needs met. I exist for more than just having my needs met. Because he knows you have need of what you're running for. He knows. He knows. You're worth more than your needs. 
you are worth more than your needs. It's when you understand that that you begin to stop to compromise. Because you're bigger than your needs. Are you not of more value than this? That was what Jesus asked them. That's the same thing the word is asking us today. Are you not of more value? Is it 10 grand you compromise for? Is it a job you compromise for? Is it one exam pass mark you'll compromise for? Are you not of more value than this? And somebody will tell you, but the Bible says heaven helps those who helps themselves. Just as they say, the Bible says when praises go up, the blessings come down. It's not in your Bible, anywhere. It's in a song that Kotka sang. It's not in your Bible. But because you listen to more songs than you read your Bible, you have made your Bible the songs. Or the songs, your Bible. Is this helping anybody? Let me try and bring this home. So we actually pursue the kingdom. We don't exist for our needs. We exist for more than our needs. Look at next kingdom culture. God is obligated to sustain us once we are obligated to his priority. I'll say that again. God is obligated to sustain us once we are obligated to his priority. God is obligated to sustaining us once we are obligated to his priority. And what is his priority? What is his priority? The kingdom. God is obligated to sustaining us. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither tall nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 30, Matthew 6. If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So God is obligated to looking after me. That's why he's a good father. That's why he's a good. He says no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. And who is our uprightness? Christ. So am I upright? Yes. So God cannot withhold any good thing from me. God cannot withhold any good thing from you. In fact, your works to attain good things hamper your ability to receive what God has in store for you. It's not of works. So if you're chasing something so badly, you know, some people feel like, uh, why should I pray for what I can do? God will not do for me what I can do for myself. Have you heard those things before? Yes. Continue. Hmm? Continue. Continue. Let's compare notes in a few years and see who God has helped. You who are hustling or us who are trusting. I'm not advocating laziness. I'm not. Don't get it twisted. 
I'm saying that you know who your master is. And this master cannot provide that. But that one can provide this. Mammon cannot lead you to God. God can cost money to work for you. Not by seed sowing. That's not how God attracts money. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Who fed the fish? Or who, who went to... Yeah, who went to feed the fish before one was found that has a coin to pay tax for Jesus and the disciples? Did anybody go to sow fish? Or sow money into the life of a fish? They just happened to be a fish that had money when it was time for money. And yes, God is in the business of meeting needs. He is. It's in the business of ordering steps of the righteous. It's in the business of giving you divine ideas by being in the kingdom because that's the place of government. Listen to this. Eden was, if you remember when we studied this, this particular kingdom culture series, Eden was the quintessential heaven yes. on earth. Yes. Eden was perfect. Yes. 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 Eden was heaven. Yes. The word Eden means cosmos, type of, system, space, cosmos. It's a cosmos, a system. As perfect as Eden was, man needed to work it. Man was the net to till it. So we're not advocating the absence of working. But it's working in the confines of God's system. Do you understand? If something takes you out of God's system, then you have lost it. You have lost it. And somehow we're comfortable with it. We make excuses for it. Because we can't trust God. You can't trust God that if you lost your job for him, he can look after you. I'm not saying walk away from your job. That's you and the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit tells you to walk away from the job that he tells somebody else to sit in. Did you hear what I said? Two believers, same job, same boss. You'll tell one, out you go. you tell one, sit here. I'm not through with you yet. That's why you can't compare notes in the spiritual Everybody has his own lane. But if he told you to leave it for him, would you? Could you? Because they said, Master, we have left all to follow you. All. And here's what Jesus tells them. He says, nobody of among you who has left all this, wives, they left wives to follow. Children, Houses, lands, for my sake, not just leave it because you are tired, but for my sake, will not receive all of it in this life and in the life to come, eternal. So kingdom business is not unprofitable business. We're not need for the profit, but there's profit. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? He's this prophet. He knows how to look after his own. If you who are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father? So most of what we are lacking is not because he hasn't provided, it's because we can't trust enough. We can't trust enough. And that's where Maslow's priority of security comes in. Not security as in they should not attack you, but security of at the end of the month, at least I know I can pay my children's school fees. That's security in that sense. Do you understand what I mean? At least at the end of the month, at the end of the year, I've saved enough to pay my house rent. So your brother is dying of need that you know you can easily meet, but no way. You're not going to do it. You are saving that money for July rent next year. Meanwhile, the birds of the air do not gather into bands and the Lord feeds them. I have achieved more by trusting God than I could have achieved by saving. I don't have a saving. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Saving money for what? Saving? No. I, I don't. I've never had a saving. But I've achieved more in my life for myself and for the kingdom by pursuing his kingdom and its righteousness. Then how much do you want to save? No, really, how much do you want to save? And you'll be stingy, oh my God. <laughs> That's why you can't give an offering. 500 naira, 1,000 naira is so heavy for somebody. If I give 1,000 naira every Tuesday, ha, ah, that's 4,000. If the week has five Tuesdays, if the month has five Tuesdays, 5,000. Just offering, no seed for which I'm expecting returns. <laughs> Just free will offering. Mbano now, Mbano. Cannot. Cannot. That's not a profitable business venture. Yeah. Yeah. Check them now. Check it. Check it. Check it. Check it. Check it. Not one, not two, not three. Five thousand. In a month. Yeah. We can't give. Because when you give from paganism, you're thinking how much has been depleted or how much what you're sending. That's why they tell you speak to your offering. That's a witchcraft Practice. It's not just to be that laugh. Laugh gently because it's not long ago that you got delivered from it. So don't make everything a joke. Don't make everything a joke. It's serious business. You yourself, you just got, your deliverance is still ongoing. See, lift up your offering. Speak to your offering. You tell it what? Offering, I command you. Go and catch other monies and come back. Within the amount of time the man of God has said. Seven days, 24 hours, 21 days, 14 days. You do not be speaking to your money. Paganism. You just change allegiances right there. You made money your master. Right there. Money. Right there. You want, you want... But kingdom gives knowing I have, not, not knowing I lost. Do you understand? So we can empty the house if you're hungry, eat. 
and not feel like nothing is left. But we know that the cattle of the thousand hills, easy, 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 peasy, like lemon cheesy. There's more is going to come. As I have need, he supplies. As I have need, he supplies. We exist for more than our needs. We exist for the kingdom. We exist for the saints. We have met more needs among us in this period of the hub than other times before it. We bought phones. We have paid school fees. We have, man, we have paid house rents. And God continues to be faithful. I'm trying to round up. Is this helping anybody? God is obligated to sustain us once we are obligated to his priority. I said earlier on that chasing after needs in life is paganism, right? Our, our focus is Christ and his kingdom. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. I like the fact that I'm almost done with this. Hebrews 12, 2. Understanding this gospel. Hebrews is between Genesis and Revelation. If you find it. Are we there? Yeah. Hebrews 12, 2 is what I need, but I'll go from verse 1 for context. Therefore, we also, in the New King James, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily, easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I've taught you the semantics of scripture. You read the word in English. It means a lot more than that usually in the original language, right? Yeah. You've learned quite a few of them words as you go along the way. The word for looking, looking means to look, yeah? But the word for, for looking in the Hebrew is the word aphrorontes. Afro as in A-P-H-R-O-rontes, R-O-N-T-E-S, aphorontes. That's the word for Looking in that context in the Greek. And it doesn't just mean looking as in staring at, which is very interesting. It means looking away from all else to look at. Right now I can see favor. And I can see this favor. I can see the other favor. Do you understand? I can see God and I can see Fred. I can see a Korean right at the end. I'm looking. That's not the looking referred to in Hebrews 12.2. Aphorontes means like an optical illusion of focusing your lens until all that is in your frame is the subject of your sight. Does that make sense? You, you, you zoom in, you have a depth of field, a bokeh effect, and everything else is blurred out until it, it cannot be comprehended. And it pulls into view the one thing you're looking at. Aphrodites. That's how we look at Jesus. Jesus. 
turning your gaze away from everything else. That's how we look at Christ. Intently. You have to blur everything until it's the only one in your sights. And so you're walking like a moth to a flame. You can't see anything else. It's like watching Madagascar and that lion seeing that steak. Alex. And the zebra asking, do I look like steak to you? It's like, yeah. If you're that intent on the kingdom, all you see and therefore all you gravitate towards is Christ. That's when you have the culture of the kingdom. So when Christ is not it, you can't engage. You can't, it's not like we're trying to get you to not see it. You are just hardwired to not see it if it's not Christ. But, but unfortunately in church, what we are now is you are hardwired to see everything but Christ. So when we show you Christ, you attack him. You resist him and you want to shut him down. Christ is the heretic. Because you have been conditioned to see everything except him. Therefore, you are wired to chase everything except him. Some of you are in church in a month of 30 days, 25, you are in church. Every day, you are in church and you don't see Christ. You don't look like Christ. You don't sound like Christ. You can't identify. You can't be spoken of as Christ. You can't speak for Christ. But you have been so churched, you are almost incurable. Churching people and not changing them. And that's what we do in church. Just come. Just come. Fill the chairs. Come, serve. Join the department. That's the first thing. Be a worker. And somehow we just, and you grow through the ranks, and we have pastors who are pastoring churches who don't know Christ. They just served their way into positions. You don't know Christ. But Paul says, but you have not so learned Christ. So therefore, as you have received Christ, Colossians 2, 6, therefore, walk in him. Walk how, so the walk of a person in Christ is a function of what they received. We can't see him. Or even if we see him, we see him in the midst of the law. In the midst of the prophets. In the midst of works. In the midst of seed sowing. We see him as the one that saved us quite all right. But that's about it. Looking unto Jesus. Looking away from everything else. Turning away your eyes from everything else. And that's a, that's a culture of the kingdom. Looking at Christ. Because it's only in that form of looking you become. Second Corinthians 3. 18, but we all, we don't veil faces, beholding the same word as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, who is a person. We know that now, right? Christ is the glory of the Lord. He's the brightness of that glory. I changed into the same image. That's the only way. So you, I've taught you guys here over and over and over, those of you that have been around, you become what you behold. Yeah. 
you are what you see. You become what you behold. You are what you see. So where you are now is a direct reflection of what you've been focusing on. That should be food for thought for somebody when you go home tonight. Where you are now is a direct result of where all your energies have been going. So if somebody needs to recalibrate your sight, how you see, change your optics. Stop seeing men as trees. Change your optics. What do you see? What do you see? Because you are what you see. And part of the culture of the kingdom is to remove your gaze from everything else. See, that's why that songwriter sang, Take everything, I don't want it, I don't need it, God, I just want you. It doesn't mean I, I cannot, I don't want food or water, but it means all of those pale in comparison. May all other goals bow down to this journey of loving you more. You know that song by Bynum? Jesus, my passion in life is to know you. May all other goals bow down to this journey of knowing you more. Above all else, give me yourself. That's the culture of the kingdom. Unfortunately, those songs are not popular. Like there is something that made me run into your presence. My. There's nothing wrong with those songs. But after those things, the Gentiles seek. After those things, pagans seek. That's why a believer will be praying for God to change your destiny. You are very foolish. Change which destiny? When those he foreknew, he predestined, and he went predestined them that you should be conformed to the image. Well, your destiny is already destined. And it's already the best destiny you can ever have. You can't remix it. Because if you pray now for God to change your destiny, you are telling him to remove what he has done in Christ and return it to who you were before you got saved. No, no, but you thought you were asking God to give you a better destiny. He already gave you the best. Yeah. Really give you the best. Christ is the destiny of the believer. Yeah. Destiny changer. <laughs> you are the destiny changer. You have changed my destiny. My destiny that day. Yeah. Yes. You have changed my destiny. My destiny that day. It's not changing your destiny. He changed it. Translated it from this kingdom to the other. Colossians 1. Destiny changed. Blot away the handwriting of ordinances against you. Contrary to destiny change. That's the end of it. So we look at him. Amen. Ah. Oh, wow. It's time to close. Has anybody gotten anything? We'll finish, we'll finish kingdom, the culture of the kingdom as relating to the gospel next week.
Yeah, I, I'm, almost, I'm almost through, but I want to land it safely. Do you understand? I don't want to, I want to land it safely. Because when we land it safely, then we go into the coming of the kingdom in the earth. So you, you're glad about tonight? You got something? Somebody just repented. This concludes 